0: Mighty God, we thank you that this is the truth, that you have come to bring joy, justice, praise. May it be so for us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to especially welcome folks who are in the community center this morning or who are joining us online. I've had that privilege the past few weeks of kind of being with you all in spirit when I've been out of town. This summer series has been focused on encounters with the real Jesus. Many of them have been kind of one-on-one encounters. And last week and this week, we're looking at a couple of encounters that Jesus made after his crucifixion. Appearances of Jesus. Today is the very first one. We're kind of going backwards from last week we're focused on Thomas and now we're backing up to when they first found the tomb empty. It's been amazing to look at the details of this passage without it being Easter Sunday. You know, on Easter Sunday, you have certain highlights you've just got to hit. And there's some kind of minor parts of this passage that I noticed in a new way as I studied this week. Jesus' first appearance was to one person, a woman, Mary Magdalene a woman who had gotten up early on Sunday morning to go and take care of the body of Jesus. On Good Friday, on the day he was crucified, his body was wrapped by Joseph of Arimathea, who owned this tomb, and Nicodemus, you'll remember the one who went to see Jesus at night. They had wrapped him up with 75 pounds of spices and linen cloths, They'd put him into this tomb and a huge stone had been rolled in front of the tomb. And then they all went to celebrate the Saturday Sabbath. So when Mary gets up early and makes her way to the tomb, she's expecting what? A sealed up tomb. In fact, she's probably not really thinking about how she's going to get past that stone to tend to Jesus' body. She just knows she wants to be near Jesus. She loves Jesus in a deep way. So much so that she's she's not even thinking how she's going to accomplish her goals. She just wants to be there. When she arrives at the tomb and finds the stone rolled away, she's stunned. And, you know, if it had been today, I think she would have whipped out her cell phone and called Simon Peter and said, You won't believe it. They've taken the Lord. He's he's out of the tomb. I don't know where they put him. But instead, she has to run all the way back to town and say, you guys, wake up. Come and see what's happened. And don't you love these disciples? They race. It's like the... the, uh, The disciple that Jesus loved, as the scripture says, we think that's John, the gospel writer, but he doesn't want to kind of brag about himself. So you kind of see this constant, you know, the disciple that Jesus loved got ahead, and then Peter was the one who actually looked in the tomb. There's this kind of little competition. But they looked in the tomb, and what did they see? These cloths were just sitting there. And we even get the detail that they were folded. You know, it's as if... Care was taken in the way these claws are sitting there. So the two disciples, what do they do? They go back home. It seems to me it's almost like a fight or flight response. You know, what are we going to do about this? The guys leave, and what happens to Mary? She just sits there, stands there crying. She's standing outside the tomb weeping. Did you notice that when it's read on Easter Sunday? I have to say, I don't think I have. I don't think I've given very much attention to the fact that Mary stays there. Mary is the very essence of following Jesus, of being a Christian. Christianity doesn't mean knowing a lot about Jesus. To be a Christian is to be in relationship with Jesus to know the love of Jesus. Max Lucado is an author who has a great way of, uh, with words, and he captures the essence of Mary's tears this way. These tiny drops of humanity, these wet spheres of fluid that tumble from our eyes and slide down our cheeks and splash on the floor of our hearts, they're miniature messengers on call 24 hours a day to substitute for crippled words. They drip, drop, and pour from the center of our our souls, carrying with them the deepest emotions. When nouns and verbs lay deflated at your feet, don't you find that's the time to weep? It used to be said that real men don't eat quiche, and perhaps real men don't weep either, but Jesus did. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, that wouldn't have been my response. But isn't it the case that when our souls are most deeply touched, women and men find tears are the response. When a baby is born, when you walk your daughter down the aisle, when you're stunned by grief, when you look at a life reflected in the pit photos at a memorial service, it's tears that well up in our eyes. Tears that express our love and our sense of being loved. So Mary was beyond words. She didn't know what would come next. But she was a multitasker. As she was weeping, she did bend over and look inside the tomb. And it was then that she saw two angels One where Jesus' head should have been and one where his feet would have been. And they asked her, why are you crying? Her response, they've taken my Lord away. It's like all she can see is death. All she can see is the loss. She's expecting Jesus to always be there. And at this, we see the second thing that I've never noticed before on Easter Sunday. She turns around, and she has a sense that there's someone standing there, and there is. This someone says, again, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Sir, she says, thinking it was the gardener, if you've taken him away, tell me where I can go and where I can get him. Mary was seeking Jesus with her whole being, but she didn't recognize Christ when she saw him. Tears are great. They can be this pure expression of the spirit within us, but they cannot, they must not blind our eyes to the glory of heaven. Can you almost picture Mary, her eyes red, tears still spilling out, and she looks to see who's talking to her, and it's so blurry she doesn't recognize that it's Jesus? It's so much has changed that she can't believe he's not lying there. He's standing here. Mary is face to face with Jesus and she fails to recognize him. So it can be with each of us. We fail to recognize Jesus even when he's standing right next to us. So it is not Mary who came upon Christ but Jesus who found her. That's the whole point of the gospel, that God is seeking us. Not only when we've lost him, when we've separated ourselves from him, but even when we don't miss him. When we're deliberately rebellious and set upon unworthy ways, God seeks us until he finds us. The shepherd knows his sheep, God knows us and calls us by name. Jesus' first resurrected word in his first appearance in his body after death is a name. The name of a woman who loves him and yet doesn't even recognize him. Jesus simply says, Mary. Hope breaks the ice. Jesus steps forward toward Mary. bone-eyed, Mary cries out. What would it take for us to notice Jesus standing in the background of our lives and invite him to the center stage? I know of a guy who did just that right in the middle of deep pain. Perhaps some of you have heard the story of Cody Hu. Cody was a worship leader at Westminster Chapel and at Samamish presbyterian and three years ago he had a terrible accident. He describes it this way. It happened in a car accident on July 28, 2007, in a suburb of Seattle. I was at a standstill when a full-size pickup truck hit me going 60 miles an hour. My neck was broken by the severe whiplash of the force of the collision and my spinal cord badly damaged. I am now paralyzed, a C56 tetraplegic with severe chronic neuropathic pain. It is very difficult. I used to be a recording, performing musician, a singer, guitar player, among other things. Now I live my life in a wheelchair. I can't use my fingers and I can't walk. I am 30. I live in constant pain and I have hope. Wow. If those paragraphs were written by your hand, would that be the last line that you would write? And I have hope. Hope has a name Jesus. Cody is a Christian who, in the midst of losses that are beyond words, hopes. What does it mean to hope this way? To hope is to trust, to expect with confidence, to cherish a desire with anticipation, the dictionary says. Like Mary, Cody who has heard Jesus say his name, and he has turned his life toward hope. The resurrection brings hope to the hopeless. Can we rely on this kind of hope? Romans 5 tells us this, And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. If we had the whole script of this encounter between Jesus and Mary and it included the little stage notes, I think when Jesus said Mary, she not only turned toward him, but in that single word when he says Mary, I think we'd see the little phrase, took her breath away. I think she went and turned toward him with her arms open, outstretched, moving for a hug. Because the next thing that we hear Jesus say is this, do not hold on to me. Doesn't it sound like she was grabbing a hold of him? Jesus says, go instead and tell my brothers. They they were disciples just a moment ago and now they're brothers. Jesus says, go tell my brothers that I'm returning to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. Mary has just a moment of recognition, and then Jesus gives her an assignment. Go and tell. Go. This is the greatest reversal in all history. The one who was dead is now alive. Three years of dreams that she thought had died have risen. They were dead on Good Friday, and now it's Sunday morning, and history is being transformed. Her doubt has become certainty. Her sense of abandonment has become a sense of being beloved. Her fear of the absence of Jesus has become the real presence of Jesus. That sense of defeat that she had just a moment ago as she wept has become a victory. She who felt orphaned now has a heavenly father. Jesus moves Mary and us from tears to triumph. Yet how often we find ourselves in what we might call Easter Saturday situations. Dreams seem to be dying. Hopes seem to be crushed. Love is lost. It takes lots of forms in marriage and family life, even in health and in work. Some of you may have heard, and many of you know, that the past year has been a challenging one for me. I was diagnosed with cancer about a year ago, and just as I became a cancer survivor, recently my mother was diagnosed just a couple weeks ago with a very serious cancer. As I, all cancer is serious, but you know, you hear those words like stage four, lung cancer, and it does take your breath away. As I heard those words, At the same time, I was getting ready to preach this sermon. What a gift to have the sense that even as the hardest news becomes a reality, so too is this amazing news that death does not have the victory. With Jesus, we start at death's defeat, and work backwards i had a doctor say to me you know he knows knows i'm a pastor he said kendy you know the end of the story our life on earth will end the question is how do we want to live from here to there jesus has won the victory over death I think I've often thought of this victory over death, of of heaven as sort of a bonus, like that's held out there in the future. It doesn't really have an impact on today, does it? Or does it? If we know that we're earthly creatures made for heavenly purposes, maybe we live a little differently today. Not just counting on the the big final gift, but rather living today as part of God's kingdom. What if heaven is here and now in the way we love one another? What if the presence of the Holy Spirit that we will see and know face to face, that we will actually encounter God in the future, what if that's available to us now? This is what Jesus does. He opens the door to God's power, not for someday, or not only for someday, but for today. Jesus' first miracle, he took ordinary water and made it into wine. Jesus takes the fear of scarcity and turns it into trust in God's abundance. When supplies are low, he takes two loaves and three fish and they become enough to feed 5,000. When death threatens, the resurrection claims the victory. Resurrection is both an event and a personal experience. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead can be ours. Not for selfish ends, but to serve. To be God's person, God's love, part of God's kingdom here and now. And yes, forevermore as well. Because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Please pray with me. Mighty God, we long for the scripture to be true. We long for the resurrection to be real. And Lord, we fight the battle within our hearts. Can hope be victorious? And so this day, I pray that you would anoint us with your Holy Spirit, that we, like Mary, would turn around and find you standing there, the one who defeated death, the one who breathes your very spirit into us. For we long for this hope that does not disappoint. We long to cling to that hope and to the purposes that you've assigned to each one of us. Lord, in whatever way you desire that we would go and tell, that we would go and live, that we would go and love, whether it's serving here at church, serving children, leading, ushering, whether it's serving at Jubilee Service Day or Jubilee Reach Center or around the world, Lord, whether it's taking soup to a neighbor, we ask that you would give us the thread of hope, that we can hold on to in whatever circumstance we face. For our God, we are both Good Friday and Easter Christians. Remind us of your power, we ask, in Jesus' name, amen.